Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to bring to a conclusion today a series. It's just a two-part series that I started last week called To the Cross and Through the Open Door. And um, what we've been taking a look at is really the journey that Jesus took from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross, to the grave, and then through the open door of an empty tomb. And so uh, I want to share that with you, but Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 is the opening text that I've been using. It's sort of the foundation. It sort of encapsulates all the things that he did for us in one simple verse. And so I want to read that, uh, and then we'll pray together and believe God just for him to speak to your heart. I, I understand. I see this every week, but I understand that you know, I can prepare a message, but, but the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you need to hear, when you need to hear it. And so just trust God with me that when I pray that he will use me to speak through me and say things that will minister to you and the things that you need so that you can say when you left church today, I'm better because I came to church today. Amen. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 says, Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he had made us right with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit, and thank you as we celebrate every day, but today specifically, that Jesus is alive and he's risen from the dead. So I recognize that you've said in your word that when we come together in your name, you are here in the midst of us. Our risen Savior, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is amongst us right now. We reverence him as we come to his word, and we ask you to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, in this verse, we see really several things called out. It says, you know, Jesus was handed over, he was crucified, and he was risen from the dead. And so what we've been doing is taking a look at that journey that Jesus took for us. And last week, we looked at three stops that he took. First of all, we took a look at the stop he made in Gethsemane. Uh, I won't go back and completely redo that message, but in Gethsemane, that's the garden where he prayed. After he had had the Last Supper with his disciples, he came to the place where he bent his knee before God and he said, Lord, not your will, my will, but yours be done. You know, and it wasn't an easy decision for him. It was a difficult decision. The Bible says it was such a difficult choice because of what lay before him that we will expound on throughout today's message that he bent his knee and he prayed to the point that he sweat as great drops of blood. It was an agonizing moment for him, but what he did was is he prayed and he said, Lord, I don't want to do this, but because it is your will, I will do it. You know, there comes a point in every human being's life where we must, and there's many, many opportunities for us to do that every day, actually, where we must make the same choice he made. Where we must bend our knee and say, Lord, it's not what I want, it's what your word says, it's what your will is. And when we make that choice, we always wind up in a better place. Amen. And then we find out not only after the cross, but then before he actually got to the cross, and not only Gethsemane, but he was led to the whipping post. And the Bible talks about the fact that he was handed over, he was betrayed by Judas, he was handed over to Pontius Pilate, and Pilate said, I find no cause or for him to be you know, uh, punished, but he put him before the Jewish people, and they said, you know, crucify him instead of let him go, which they could have done. And, and before they took him to the cross to crucify him, Jesus was stripped and taken out to a whipping post. And he was beaten. 
and he was whipped and he was flogged and he was bruised and what we found last week was that Jesus was beaten to the point that you know he was disfigured he it was a it was a horrible situation but what the scripture tells us is by that beating and by his stripes we were healed and what we saw is that that whipping post no longer was Jesus just an example of we need to submit to the will of God but here he was an actual substitution for us he took sickness and the punishment for sickness upon us so that we could be physically healed. And if we struggle with sickness in our life, if we will put our faith and trust in God and let our faith rise to the point that we receive, we can receive physical healing because of what Jesus did for us. And then last of all, what we saw last week was after the whipping post and he was, you know, certainly physically exhausted, a cross was placed upon his back and he had to carry it through the streets of Jerusalem. He climbed Golgotha's hill and there he was crucified. And what we learned last week in that crucifixion, that he became a substitute for us on that cross. The scripture says that anyone that hangs on a cross becomes a curse. Here Jesus, the perfect son of God who never sinned, became sin for us on that cross. He became our sin. Now I want, you to let you, I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Everything you've ever done, every deep, dark secret that you wish nobody ever knew about, God knew about it and he placed it upon Jesus at that moment, even before you did it as a sacrifice for your sin. Not only that, but on the cross he shed his blood and that blood would be necessary to wash away the sin that he became for us. But what I want to talk about today is the next step he made because the next step that he made for us was death, hell, and the grave. Notice in our opening text it says that he was raised to life. For a resurrection to take place, there had to be a death. And there came a moment when D Jesus actually died. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says, we do see, What we do see is Jesus who tasted death for everyone. What we find is that Jesus not only hung upon a cross and shed his blood, but he actually physically died for us. He tasted death for us. And we see the account of it in Mark chapter 15 verse 33. It says, at noon... Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And verse 37 says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. In that moment, hanging on that cross, there was a moment where Jesus physically died. Now I want you to think about that for a moment because why was it necessary for Jesus to die physically? He had already become sin for us. He had already shed his blood for us. Why couldn't angels just come down and miraculously pull him off the cross for the world to see that truly he's the son of God? Why did it have to take place? Why did he have to succumb to death? The, reader of, the writer of Hebrews shed some light on this for us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26. It says, but now once for all time... Jesus has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death. I want you to notice something, that sin was actually removed not by his blood, but by his death. His blood was shed because it was necessary for the remission of sins, and it is the powerful blood of Jesus, but without his death, that blood never could have been applied where it needed to be applied. It goes on to say in verse 27, And just as each person is destined to die once, after that comes judgment. So what that verse tells us is that we are all destined to die. 
And after death, we will stand before God and we will be judged as to whether we lived life the way He encouraged us to live it, whether we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. It says that once we die, there is a judgment. Why did Jesus have to die? Because without a death, there would have been no judgment upon Him. There would have been no opportunity for Him to take our punishment upon Him in judgment. Verse 28 says, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins for many. So why did Jesus need to die? He needed to die a substitution, as a substitutionary sinner. He hung on that cross as a sinner. Even though he was the spotless lamb of God, he became sin for us and he had to die so the judgment of God could fall upon him. Our sins could not be removed until there was a judgment placed upon him for becoming sin for us. Although his beatings and although his, substitute, although his hanging on the cross made him our sins, although the shedding of his blood provided a sacrifice for him to present to God, it wasn't until he physically succumbed to death that he went to the uttermost for us. Romans 3.23 tells us that when he died, what the punishment of that death was. It says the wages of sin is death. When we stand before God, if we have not reconciled our life with him, if we have not accepted the free gift of salvation from him, we will give an account for our sins. And the Bible says the wages of that sin is death. The judgment that comes upon every man for sin is death. Not just physical dying. This is not talking about physical death. It's talking about, you know, that word death means separation. It's talking about eternal separation from God. And so the wages of sin is death, and so we'll give an account for that. And what we see is, is that when Jesus gave up his last breath, he faced the judgment. I want this to resonate with us. As I prayed about this this week, the awesome, horrific moment of this took place for Jesus. At the moment he died, he actually experienced separation, the very punishment, from, uh, uh, separation from God that we would. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 9 says this, it says, now this, Jesus ascended. How many of you know that he rose from the grave and he ascended? But notice what it says here. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? When Jesus died on a cross, when he laid, gave up his last breath, although his, physically body died, his physical body died and his body was laid in a tomb, his spirit went to receive a punishment that was due us. I want you to think about that punishment for, for a moment. The psalmist prophetically proclaims the sentiment of our Savior during this horrific substitutionary sacrifice. See, as individuals, we often see the cross. We see the physical nature of what he did for us, and that was unbelievably awesome. As we've already seen, it provided so much for us. But there's a spiritual aspect of what he did for us that oftentimes our limited spiritual minds don't see. I'm praying that the Spirit of God would embellish and let you see this morning the extent to which he went for you to not have to experience this. And we see the psalmist writing in Psalm 88 verses 3 through 9 before this ever took place prophetically proclaiming what Jesus would experience. It says, For my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, 
adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You have afflicted me with your waves. Selah, that word selah means stop and think about that for a moment. When Jesus gave up his breath, his spirit was judged and he, was, he descended to hell to take punishment that was due us. This was due us. Verse 8 says, and you have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. Think about that for a moment. Every sin, the sin of a billion generations, the confusion of a million confused identities, all rested upon him. I am shut up and I cannot get out. I want you to think about that for a moment. The, attorney, the eternal judgment that he faced. There was that moment for a night and a day and a, a day thereafter that he experienced the anguish of I can't get out you know I know some people that if you just confine them to a you know a, 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 an elevator they go crazy right right but he was confined and he could not get out my eyes waste away because of affliction that word affliction means misery dread or despair Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. So here is righteous Jesus taking upon us the sin of all of us, laying in the pit of hell, being tormented. And what Jesus described as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus experienced that level of judgment for us. The hopeless desperation of an eternal judgment he experienced. Ponder the thought. Jesus faced the horror so that we don't have to if we'll but accept his free gift. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. That word perish means that he should not be separated from God but have everlasting life. I want you to think about that for a moment. Have everlasting life, everlasting, eternal, or fateful words we must consider in our lives. So many times we are so temporal because we think about the 60, 70 to 120 years we may eke out on this planet. But the reality is, is what Jesus paid for, even though he paid for many things for us to enjoy in this life, he paid to rescue us from an eternity separated from him. An eternity of weeping and gnashing of teeth. An eternity of saying, I wish I hadn't thought I was so smart. I wish I would have submitted my will to the will of the Father. He paid the price for us to be free from that. That word perish means to destroy, to put out of the way entirely, to abolish, to put to an end or to ruin, to render useless to declare that one must be put to death, to devote or give one over to eternal misery in hell, to perish, to be lost, to be ruined, to destroy or to lose. Here's the good news this morning. Because of Jesus, we don't have to experience any of that. Amen? No longer 
you know, the, you know, we've all heard the phrase, into every life some rain must come. There are going to be, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to suffer trouble sometime. But he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. His raising from the dead lets us know that no longer does death have a hold on us. No longer the, the punishment that he received is our, is our destiny. No longer does stain destruction. If there's something that's been destroyed in your life or that's dying in your life or that's not working in your life, you don't have to accept that. You can trust God and believe God for the power to overcome that dying thing. Every spiritually dead or dying thing in your life is free from its perceived dying end if you desire it to be so and you can find a promise that says God will give it to you. Just because Jesus died on a cross for us. But we know the rest of the story, right? He didn't stay in the grave, right? He didn't stay in that place of torment. Jesus was raised to life and walked through the open door of an empty tomb. We can see this as we turn once again to the prophetic words of the psalmist in Psalm 16. A beautiful song of what Jesus declared by faith as he was facing the torments of the punishment he took for us. Verse 10 says, For thou will not leave my soul in hell. In the midst of hell, even Jesus there embraced faith when all hope was lost and said, You will not leave me here. I'm trusting you. Neither will thou suffer thy Holy One to seek corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus in the midst of his anguish cried out in faith to his Father that he would not leave him in that place. And we know that after a Friday crucifixion, right? And after a Sabbath day of waiting, on that magnanimous Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away and Jesus emerged victorious, shaking off all the desperation, all the hopelessness, all the judgment that he took for us. Matthew 28 and verse 16 says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone of the, from the door. Verse 5 says, And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I love these words. He is not here. He is risen. Notice the stone was rolled away and Jesus walked through the open door of a stone that was rolled away covering it originally. As he looked through that door, I believe he saw something on the other side of it. I want you to think about the light of opportunity that Jesus saw. As he was laying in that tomb, a light came forth, a stone was rolled away, and he could see in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the anguish, in the midst of the weeping and gnashing of teeth, in the midst of the hopelessness, he could see a light that was available for him to walk through. An open door of opportunity, I like to call it. The opportunity to fulfill his heart's desire, what was that? That all men would be saved. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He saw on the other side of the door if he, as he walked through it the opportunity for you to make a choice to accept him. He saw the opportunity for each of us to be saved for our, our sins. The opportunity for each of us to be called his very own children. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us we could be called, in spite of ourselves, the children of God. He saw the bright light of being no longer shackled by the circumstances that surrounded him or the sin that he never committed tormenting him. 
And I believe by the Holy Spirit's power, there came a moment where God said, he's paid the price, enough is enough. And the stone was rolled away, and Jesus was raised from the dead. And when we put our faith in what he did, we received that same open door of opportunity over our lives. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Now that we have been put right with God through faith, we throw open the door to God and discover that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory. When we accept Jesus, we have the same opportunity, the same open door that he had. In the midst of our despair, in the midst of hopelessness, we can see a light, a door that we can walk through because Jesus did first for us. We accept Christ as a stone rolled away from the catacombs of our life and we open the door to a full, the full light of opportunity for ourselves. I ask you this this morning as you think about your life. Can you see the real opportunity that Christ has laid before you by rolling the stone away and walking through it himself? What in your life do you feel shackled by? What in your life are you holding on to that God says there's a better way? What in your life is holding your back or is concerning you or is worrying you? I encourage you this morning to do as Jesus did. Allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you and walk through the open door in Jesus' name and shake off those grave clothes. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Jesus too shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And verse 15 says, and free those who are all their lives held in slavery. What are you shackled by this morning? Because of Jesus, I would tell you, if you put your faith in him, nothing. You may have trials, you may have tribulations, but if you'll put your faith in him, he will carry you through to victory on the other side. Amen? I believe the empty tomb and the stone rolled away stand as a symbol if, as the musicians come, as evidence that no man is shackled by his circumstances. No man is shackled by his sin. No man is shackled by his habits. No man is destined to, to live a life in disobedience to God. But instead, the open door of opportunity lies before all of us. I like the way that the Spirit of God and the angel of God said it to the church at Philadelphia. I believe it applies to every Christian today with certain respect. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do. You have little strength, yet you have obeyed my word and did not deny me. Notice this, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Through what Jesus did for us when we put our faith and hope in him and make a choice to bend our knee to the sacrifice he made for us. In spite of our feelings, in spite of our emotions, in spite of our despair, in spite of our rebellion, when we make that choice, he says, I lay before you an open door. The question for all of us on every day of our lives is, is, will we walk through that door? Will we submit ourselves to the awesome sacrifice that he made for us? 
so that one day when we stand before our Creator and we are judged, we're not judged for our sin, but we're judged and we're given reward for the good things we've done. Amen? Romans 4, verse 25 says, Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he has made us right with God. Thank God that Jesus took the journey that he took from Gethsemane to the cross, to death, hell, and the grave, and finally, praise God, through the open door. Amen? He submitted his will to the will of the Father as an example for us. He took stripes upon his back to provide healing for us. He hung upon a cross to become sin for us. And he suffered death, hell, and the grave to take our punishment for us. But he also rose again to set us free. Amen? Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.